This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So we just got off of our Inner Circle retreat this last weekend, and my friends, it was an absolutely amazing time So motivating, so inspiring. A lot of our inner circle members came together. We did workshops, we did masterclasses, we did group breakout sessions. It was an amazing time and we learned a lot together. And I wanted to share with you one little thing that we did talk about during the retreat because I think it'll be helpful for you as well. And that's this concept of playing quote unquote bad jazz solos and how playing bad jazz solos all year long could be the secret to massively and exponentially improving your jazz skills this year. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, He's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We're musicians just like you. Learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. I am absolutely excited to be with you today. I just got off of a long vacation. A little too long of a vacation, if you ask me. So I'm back here again and really excited to serve you. And like I also mentioned, we did have our inner circle retreat last weekend. It was so much fun. We had a great time. It was inspiring. I said all that already, but we did talk about this concept of bad jazz solos. And my challenge to the members who attended this inner circle retreat was what would happen if for the next 365 days, you took a bad jazz solo every single day. Now, that was one of the last things I said in my masterclass because I had gone through explaining what bad jazz solos are and how bad jazz solos could actually improve your jazz playing exponentially. Now, for those who are like, why would I want to take a bad jazz solo? Why would that help me? Well, first of all, bad is an acronym, B-A-D. But as you'll also discover in a second when I explain what that acronym means, there is an insinuation that sometimes your solos might not actually sound that good. And that's actually sort of a little bit of what we're shooting for in some senses. Again, I'll explain more about that in a second. So before we talk about the acronym BAD, Bad Jazz Solos, let's talk about, first of all, why I would want our members in our inner circle to take a bad jazz solo every single day. What's the point of taking a solo every single day or at least frequently throughout the month? Well, the number one thing that we need to be doing to improve as jazz musicians is we need to learn new jazz standards. And why do we learn new jazz standards? To learn songs, of course, but also because we want to be able to improvise over them. And what is the number one problem that musicians who come to play jazz have? 
It's improvising. It's a struggle. It is a challenge to improvise. And there's always a next level that you can improvise. And so often when I hear students, I hear varying different levels of skills with improvisation. And inevitably, there is always another level to go. So we need to be practicing the art of improvising continuously and frequently. Yes, because of course, you've heard of the 10,000 hour rule, right? The more that you're actually doing the skill that you want to do, inevitably over time, through time and pressure, you will become better at that skill. So yes, of course, that is one side of the equation. But specifically speaking, when we are taking quote unquote bad jazz solos, we are taking solos that are actually strategically aimed to help us improve at the areas that we need to improve on in order to take our jazz solos to the next level. In order for those who are listening to us play to turn their heads and go, wow, that guy sounds really good. And for you to, of course, impress yourself. Isn't that the kind of solos we want to be taking? Isn't that the kind of progress that you want to make this year in your jazz playing? If so, please pay very close attention to what I'm about to talk to you today. Okay, so let's start. What is a bad jazz solo? Okay, let's start with B. B stands for brave. Okay, we are going to be taking brave solos. Now, what does a brave solo look like? So a brave solo is number one, one that doesn't worry about whether it's sounding good or not. Okay, it doesn't worry about sounding good. Now that might sound, again, counterintuitive. Why would you want to improvise a solo where you're not worried about whether it sounds good or not? Well, the reasons why you don't wanna worry about whether it sounds good or not is because this is what leads to overthinking. And thinking, overthinking within improvisation is the number one enemy that we're dealing with. It's the ego. It's worrying about whether we're sounding good or not. Therefore, we're trying to think about every single note that we're going to play. Therefore, we're not going to actually create great improvisations at all. And we'll probably default to notes, scales, patterns, things that we're very familiar with and used to. We're not going to break any barriers if we do that. Okay, so we're not worrying about whether we're sounding good. We're literally just kind of playing from where we're at. And I once had a mentor, uh, his name, Bruce Foreman, amazing jazz guitarist from Los Angeles. He told me, Brent, play from where you are at. And he wasn't saying don't try to play better than where you're at. He was simply saying that the way you are playing now is the expression of what you know today, right? And ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to play solos that represent where we're at. And we want to play solos in the state of mind that ultimately is going to lead us to play the best solos we've ever played. And the best solos that I've personally ever played are ones where I literally kind of woke up from a dream after it was over. I wasn't thinking. I just got into what's called a quote unquote flow state and produced some amazing music and let the music take me places. It's a magical zone to be in. And you're not going to get into that zone if you're worried about sounding good all the time. Okay. Now, another way, another characteristic rather of what a brave solo is, is it means that you took risks in your solo. 
you took risks, right? Which means that you may have reached for certain notes you normally wouldn't do. You may have explored certain parts of your instrument you normally don't explore. In other words, you went outside of your comfort zone. In other words, you might have been hearing something that you learned from a solo you transcribed or from a recording you learned or something like that. And you tried to actually replicate that in the moment, right? You weren't afraid of what would happen, right? Because again, we go back to the ego. If we're constantly afraid of sounding good of what we're doing, ultimately that's gonna be one of the biggest things that's going to hold you back from improving and getting to the next level. It's really a mental thing. And really ultimately, the mental side of playing jazz, of of improvising, is a huge, huge problem that we have to deal with as musicians. Okay, so B stands for brave. You don't worry about sounding good and you took risks. That's the first characteristic. The second characteristic, the A in bad jazz solos stands for audited. Okay, A stands for audited. Now, what does audited mean? Okay, that means it is analyzed afterwards. Okay, that insinuates, of course, that we are going to be recording these bad jazz solos. Now, recording, if you're one of my inner circle members, is something that you probably noticed we encourage you to do all the time. And of course, our inner circle community is plastered every single day with recordings of members playing our jazz standard of the month, improvising, playing exercises. And the reason we encourage you to do that is partially in part for this analysis period that is so important to actually improving, right? Because ultimately, we got to listen to our brave solo, the solo where we weren't worrying so much about what we were doing, and we are actually digging in and seeing what is there, okay? And after we've analyzed that solo, we put in a plan, there's a plan in place for the next bad solo that we're going to take, okay? Now, another thing we talked about in our inner circle retreat this last weekend was how to actually conduct a jazz audit. And we went super in-depth and we conducted jazz audits um, throughout the retreat. However, I will just give you a very footnotes version of what we talked about. And it really is simple, the basic bare bones version of a jazz audit. There's really just two steps. I guess you could consider it three steps. Number one is you record yourself, right? And As I've alluded to, there are ideal recording conditions, okay? Ideal recording conditions. In other words, you're only taking one take, okay? So in other words, we're not taking two takes or three takes because we don't like the way take one sounded. Take one, unless you totally messed up the beginning of it, is probably the most honest take of where you're at right now, right? That's the brave part of your solo. I talked about play and don't think, right? That's brave as well. We're just playing. We're not trying to think. And another ideal recording condition is when no one is looking. I have that in quotes, when no one is looking, which means I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm alone and I'm just trying to play for the sake of recording this, right? So that's step number one of an audit is to record yourself. Step number two is to listen to that recording, okay? Listen to that recording And then most importantly, you need to ask yourself two questions. So number one, you ask, what do I love about this solo? And question number two is, what do I not like about this solo? 
What do I love and what do I not like? Now, notice that these are emotional questions. They're emotional. They're based on emotion. What do I love? Because when we're listening to a recording, there's going to be moments where you're like, oh, I'm very proud of something I played. You're going to get a positive emotion around it. And then there's going to be other times when you're listening to the recording where you have a negative emotion associated with it. And it's when we pay attention to the emotion of how we felt about a certain part of a recording that we can start getting super specific about what it was that we liked and what about it we did not like, okay? And then what you want to do when you're auditing your solo is you want to get super specific. What did I love, okay? So, for example, let me play a clip of a solo that I took that truly matches all of those ideal recording conditions I talked about. I essentially was recording this jazz solo for some B-roll for a YouTube video I was coming out from. The volume on this B-roll was going to be so far in the background that no one would be able to tell if I made a mistake. It's really just that very background music while I'm talking over top of a video. So it truly was just one where I wasn't worried about necessarily sounding good. It was one where I wasn't necessarily thinking very much about it. I was kind of just trying to get the recording done so I could go on and do the rest of the video. And for For me, that is a perfect recording condition right there. It's one where the ego was kind of separated from everything, and I was just going about it. So let's take a listen really quickly to this solo, and then I'll quickly talk about what I loved about it and what I didn't like about it. Thank you. 
cool, 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 cool. So that was my solo that I took. Again, the ideal recording conditions, I wasn't thinking about anything. And in some ways, I actually think that the result was a lot better when instead of the ones where I'm actually trying to perform something for someone. It's really remarkable psychologically how that works. At the same time, there are certain inconsistencies within it because of that. So let's talk about what did I really like about that solo. So number one, great motific ideas, especially when those ideas allow for space between each phrase. I did this a few times playing more bluesy lines. Um, great way to make the pentatonic sound better because right, this was a minor blues I was playing. Well, actually, it was softly as in a morning sunrise. And so I was really using these motific um, theme and variation ideas. Number two was the range of my instrument. I really like how I use the high register and go to the low register. So I'm not just in one register and I really utilize the instrument. So I really like that. The swing feel on my eighth notes, really like my swing feel. I like how I'm laid back on the back of the beat, makes it feel like they really groove hard. Number four, playing the changes. I'm pretty good at playing the changes on softly as in a morning sunrise. Like it sounded good. The minor two five ones sounded good. So we're there. Risk-taking. I definitely took a lot of risks. I was playing outside. I was resolving back to the inside. I was, again, going up higher on my instrument. I was taking some leaps and grabs, right? And sometimes even when I was playing a wrong note, I found a way to turn it into a right note. So these moments sometimes led to more creativity. So I'd like to work more on these things. So the things that I really liked about this solo, these are the things I want to double down on. I want to start thinking about strategies for how to improve my motivic ideas, for how to take more risks, for how to play the changes even better, right? These are all good things. The second part of the audit, number two, what did I not like? So space was a big problem, right? If you listen to the solo, there wasn't a lot of space, and I truly believe this solo probably would have been twice as good if there was more space between phrases and more longer note values than just a ton of eighth notes, which is mostly what I was doing. The second thing I didn't like, solo development was a problem, right? Um, it kind of was a little bit all monotone. Yeah, there were some high levels. There were some peaks. There was a few climaxes in there. However, for the most part, it was kind of just all the same level of energy the whole time. So that was a problem. Technique suffered on smaller subdivisions. So my 16th notes were not happening. My triplet eighth notes were a little rough, right? The right hand was not keeping up with the left hand on my guitar. And honestly, that's because I have not had enough regular practice recently. My technique is suffering. Not a big deal. We can get that back pretty easily. But that's something to be noted, right? That definitely, you could hear that play out in my solo. Um, the next one is diversity of ideas. I was falling a lot into what I would call Brent-isms instead of taking more melodic risks, right? So again, risk-taking is one of my strengths. So I want to try to see, can I break into some more jazz language than before? So based on this audit right now, I'm going to go through and actually make a plan so that I'm actually doing something with this, right? So that's A, audited. So, so far for our bad jazz solo, we have brave and we have audited. So hopefully you're starting to already see the power of this. The next one, the D stands for directional, okay? D stands for directional. What does that mean? So that means that we are actually implementing something new or some kind of strategy to the jazz solo that we're taking, right? So this could be we're implementing 
a strategy from the audit, right? Okay, I need to play more space in my solos, right? So maybe that's the one thing that I do think about when I'm playing this solo now, right? That's the one thing I am mindful of. And in the practice room, before I went ahead and started improvising my recorded solo, I was working on strategies for playing more space in my jazz solo, right? I was working on playing longer subdivisions. I was working on what does a good phrase over a 251 sound like? What does a good eight bar phrase sound like that implements space, right? So more, we're talking about in the practice room, really working on a strategy, but then just simply being mindful of that when we are taking a solo, not overthinking about it, but just being mindful of that, right? So that's a directional solo. We're actually thinking about what we're trying to improve on to a degree. It could mean we applied new concepts, right? New things that we never have thought about before. It could be just a new jazz standard that we've never really played before. Some new chord changes that are involved that we're doing, right? There could be um, just this altered idea. Again, not that you're thinking about, I need to play this exact altered idea. It's just a mindfulness of, oh, I want to add more altered sounds over top of dominant seventh chords. Great. Okay. You've already done the work in the practice room where you're actually thinking about it. Now in the solo, we're just being mindful of implementing that strategy. Okay. So that's a directional solo, right? So let's review really quickly. A bad jazz solo. So brave, right? We're taking risks. We're not worrying about what we're sounding like because that's not helpful, right? That's, we're not going to improve that much if we're worried about those things. A is audited, right? We're actually listening back to it. We're thinking about what we like, what we didn't like. We want to get something out of it, right? We want to learn something from what we did. D is directional, the next bad jazz solo that we take, we are going to move in a certain direction. So again, let's talk a little bit for a second before we close up here about why it's the acronym is bad, right? I, I By the way, I didn't like have the, the words when I was creating. I mean, obviously acronyms are a great way to teach things. I didn't actually create the Brave Audited Directional first. I started with bad. And that's because when you think about this, if we're actually taking brave audited directional solos, we are sometimes just simply going to sound bad, right? We're not going to sound good. And that's okay, right? That is absolutely okay because getting better at being an, an improviser is all about experimenting. It's all about trying new things. It's all about some things sticking and other things not. The things that are sticking are the things that you like. And those are the things you need to double down on, right? So... That's what this is all about. But at the same time, you probably have heard, uh, well, certainly here in the States, or if you've been around jazz musicians before, you may have heard the slang term bad, like, wow, man, that was a bad jazz solo, or man, that's a one bad dude. And they don't mean bad as in like negatively. It's like, wow, that person's awesome, or that was a really awesome thing you did, right? So in the other side of things, bad is kind of like, it could be an awesome solo too. It could be a bad solo, if you know what I mean, right? So it could be bad, Ooh, that didn't sound good, or it could be bad, right? And within that is brave, audited, and directional. So let me just ask you a question, the same question I asked my Inner Circle members this last weekend at our retreat. What if every solo you took this year was a bad jazz solo? What would happen this same, this exact date, 
right? The, the date that you're listening to this podcast episode, one year from now in 2024, or wherever year you're listening to this, you took 365 bad jazz solos, or at least every jazz solo you took was bad, then what would happen? I guarantee you, you would improve exponentially. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really do appreciate it. Hope you learned something from today. And of course, I hope you take action. If you need help taking action, our LJS Inner Circle membership is really the best place to be. It's the place where I can help you the absolute most. And again, we do things sometimes like our retreats that only our members are invited to. But we also do a new jazz standard every single month. We learn one new jazz standard every single month. And we can apply those bad jazz solos over top of that. And we practice together and we learn together. And anything that you possibly could need to improve is your jazz playing, whether you're a piano player, guitar player, saxophone player, trumpet player, harmonica player, ukulele player, trombone player. I mean, we have it in our inner circle and you're going to to get on a fast track to success. And that's really what we try to help you out with. So if you've never considered it before, or maybe you want to just really focus on this in 2023, improve your jazz playing more than you ever have, please go to ljsinnercircle.com. Or if you are on a podcast app right now or on the website, go to the description, the show notes, and we have a link for you right there as well. We'd love to have you join us. We're going to be coming out another great episode of the podcast, of course, coming up next week. So please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.